It's time for the Golf to Go Golf Hour. Brought to you by Hagen Oaks Golf Super Shop. Hagen Oaks, America's most awarded golf facility. And by Safe Credit Union. Let us put you first. Thanks to tee off. Now from the 19th hole of Sports 1140 KHTK, here's Jason Ross and Frank LaRosa. It is another day of Golf to Go Hour. Jason Ross, Frank LaRosa here. And, um, you know, I was just listening, Jason, to the, to the opening and uh, talking about Hagen Oaks, the most awarded golf shop. Um, they need a bigger, a bigger trophy case. You know, every year they just seem to to come up with with you know four or five new awards. They dominate, yeah, because they, they really they're do. good at what they do, and they continue to back it up every year. And they're right here. How great is that for us? We we have, and I've said this before. We're spoiled uh, in that we uh, don't really know what it is we've got because we don't have anything to compare it to. But mm-hmm. uh, we've grown up with. Uh, you know, with uh, Ken Morton's uh, Ken Morton Senior's facility out there, and you know Ken is now retired at this point, but all goes on. But yeah, it's it's just remarkable what what's going on. A couple of the guests we have on today, we're going to talk about adaptive golf, and that's something that's been going on at Hagen Oaks for a number of years. Um, and uh, we're going to talk to uh, the Golf Heritage Society about um, you know about continuing to grow the game and and prever- preserve the uh, traditional aspects. They've been doing that as well, so uh, we we are fortunate. I I don't know where that came from. I just happened to hear that in the opening. I thought uh, I probably should have said hi, Jason. Well, first, it, huh? it, it all fits too. And and the other part too, Frank, I would say is uh, at the end of the show we'll check back in with uh, Ken Morton Jr. as well. Um, kind of why Hagen Oaks is so great. They're gonna play the role of Santa possibly this weekend. They are gonna play the role of Santa. How about you know, that? It's. Uh, over the years, there have been a number of uh, different uh, events that they've done where they've uh, been able to, you know, make sure that some of the kids in the community get uh, a, a golf club or, mm-hmm. you know, something to that effect. And I don't, I don't want to steal uh, Kenny's thunder, but yeah. uh, let's just say that uh, if you're not doing anything Saturday and, and your kid needs a, a golf club, we're going to tell you where you can go. Well, you know what happened? I would say maybe it's been almost two weeks. I would say it was a Christmas miracle. You and I golf together. You know, that was really remarkable. That was remarkable. <laughs> and I, it's all on me. I'm not, none of this has been on you. It's been 100% on me, but I was so glad that we actually had a chance to play. That was fun. Yes. Uh, and uh, neither one of us distinguished ourselves, but uh, we had some good shots. We were there. Yeah, we were we there. We participated in probably <laughs> in the last month, the most beautiful day I think there's been. I mean, that was a, such a weird. We played at El Macero and Davis. And I remember driving over there going, well, okay, it's foggy, but that's fine. I mean, you can golf in any weather. And boom, as soon as it crossed the causeway, it was like all of that was gone, not a cloud in the sky in the most beautiful blue sky day. It was it was wonderful. And and this time of year, as I've said before, the uh, the longer shadows across the golf course, that, that makes it much more exciting to me. The, the golf course has texture from from the um, from the shadows from mm-hmm. the trees and like that. So it was it was a perfect day. And um, we played perfect golf. Just, yes. uh, you know, no one was there to validate that. This is a different description. Yeah. You know, everybody has their own description of what uh, perfect really means. A couple of hole-in-ones each. I mean, <laughs> several eagles, if we just count the shots that go in, I guess. Yeah, you know, and being there with G-Man, obviously, yep. was fun. And, um, so, and Scott Marsh was crushing the ball. Scott hits the ball a long way. Yeah. He really does, yeah. You know, we're going to work on a short game. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. You know, you and I have done this show for, for a long time now. And, and one of the things every guest or you and others have said, it is really about playing and participating and working on it. And I'm so guilty of not doing that enough. And that was my first round in a long time. And every time I play, I'm like, I got to play some more. Um, but golf is a lot of fun and it was fun. But it, it also, you need to work at it. Yeah, the great part about uh, a round after you haven't played for a while is it's normally, you know, a pretty good round. And, and that has more to do with the fact that all those little voices in your head are not talking at you at that moment. And uh, you just kind of uh, muscle memory kind of takes over and, and you'll, you'll play almost as well as you've ever played. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you start uh, questioning yourself, you know, maybe did I take that back right? Did it? <laughs> and it gets a little crazy. So, no, you did, you did play well. You, you, you hit the ball well, and um, it, was, it was fun to finally be able to get out. Yeah, and what was great, too, I know you, I think you, you told me this, maybe the 16th hole, 17th hole, that you had spotted something. And you said, well, I don't really. I said, no, Frank, tell me. Like, that's, to me, I don't mind that because I, I don't know exactly. I don't feel like we've, we have talked before when Doug was here with us and Doug would, he's, he's a tactician. He's all about, Oh, I could feel my right hip releasing early on. 
I just sliced. I don't know, but that was probably why or whatever. He 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 relates it all differently than I do. So when you saw something, I'm like, no, tell me that might help me here and certainly help me going forward. And I think it's a lot easier, obviously, to see things in other people than Correct. than to to know what we're doing ourselves. But uh, uh, again, over the course of the years, I've been around some some incredible. Uh, instructors and um, and and as I've said many times, I am not an instructor, but um, but it, but it's somewhat easy for me to kind of see little mm-hmm. little things. And and you, it, the interesting thing is, you don't see it on every swing. You know, sometimes things slow down. You know, you hear these uh, athletes talk about the game slowing down. Uh, sometimes you'll look at a swing and and it's it's in slow motion. It, it feels to be in slow motion. And I, I just happened to notice something and yeah. mentioned it to you. And then you were crushing it right down the middle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> From that point on. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I've seen that with others. I may they might be playing like, oh, I don't know what I did there. I said, well, it looked like uh, like maybe on a putt. You really decelerated there on that one. Oh, I did. Yeah, just that's something I saw. Now. I'm not here to how, how you fix it, but I just that's an observation I had. You know, there are so many um, ways for us to learn the game now. Certainly, uh, being with a PGA professional that that looks at your game uh, individually and and kind of uh, lets you know some things that kind of will get you to the to the promised land quicker uh, is maybe the best way to go. But there's so many videos now yeah. with with really good instructors that um, that are on uh, YouTube and and some of these uh, newsletters, uh, golf newsletters that are out every week that really, you know, have some great points. Now, most of them are trying to to sell you something, uh, whether it's lessons or, you know, this new training aid they've got or something like that. And, you know, everybody needs to somehow stay in business and and maybe the the training aid resonates with you and you get it and that's fine. But, But to be able to Pick out these little nuggets that mm-hmm. uh, you know that all of these uh, little videos have. I, I found something a couple of weeks ago that was a slight little change in my swing, just because uh, you know I happened to see this thing. And I thought, oh, that's pretty good, and you know, it it seems to work. Yeah, paid off. Yeah, um, I know for you it's been a busy time too. I mean, the, the golf world never stops. We mention all the time, Frank, that you can golf here all year, really. But it's uh, is we i think are you fully done with award season have you wrapped them all up all the shows you are responsible for <laughs> yeah we're actually looking forward to uh, a little downtime here we uh, we do you had get the, that do you get downtime well you know it, it's interesting um you know since we added the, the golf show obviously uh, finding guests and making sure they're lined up and and doing a little promotion for it uh that takes a little bit of time, and, and as you get closer to the day of the show, and if you don't have all your guests, then it gets a little crazy. But um, And that certainly will continue every week. But um, I think uh, major projects uh, are behind me for, for uh, 2021 anyway. Yeah. Well, and I should say in award season, congratulations to you. You you took home some hardware, too. Thank you. Yeah, the Northern California PGA uh, awarded me their uh, media person of the year, and uh it's the fourth time they've awarded it to me. Wow. So, uh, you it should know, just it, be your award. Well, you know, <laughs> that's been suggested. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of that, or certainly a, a portion of that, has to do with the fact that um, the the media in the golf world has shrunk. Um, you know, the the Sacramento Bee used to have a writer that uh, covered golf in addition to some other things. That's certainly not there. Um, anything that's covered is probably out of a national writer. Um, so we don't have, um, you know, the the kinds of uh, golf media that that we've had in the world. Uh, a guy named Doug Ferguson. You'll see his name on almost any story that's in the paper. He writes for AP, and um, you know, basically, he writes for the entire country, uh, the entire world. Yeah, makes you wonder. I guess you know, is there an avenue there for other, you know, just evolving media to? You know, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, like that kind of realm to pop up, not just here, but in, the, in for the golf world. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And you see a lot of podcasts now mm-hmm. um, and um, and people that will try to do a travel show, uh, which is, a you know, a great idea. I mean, everybody wants to know what golf is like in, you know, these other places that they'd like to visit. But, boy, it's an expensive way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Or you're doing it entirely on your own. You, right. You're setting up a camera. Uh, and hoping that you're standing in the shot when you're yeah. over there talking to the camera. Um, one person shop there. Yeah, yeah. and and somehow you ha- you know unless you're independently wealthy, you, you have to find a way to get paid for this stuff. And and um, you know uh, un- uh, unless you're an influencer on the internet, it's it's pretty hard to you know to find some way to pay for it. Yeah, 
Um, one thing, speaking of social media, and it was going around there. I was, I've watched it several times. Have you seen the video that side by side with uh, Tiger and his son Charlie? Just of, I, I've not seen the the last one, but yeah. I, but I've seen them before. Mini me, it, like it's, it's remarkable. The same nuance, like not just swings very similar, but just the poses, looking at a putt, the fist pump, uh, scratching the face. The same. It's like man, they're the. I mean, it's father and son, but it's just crazy when they see it side by side like that. I saw a um, a, a Facebook post the other day that said. Uh, I certainly hope they let my dad use a cart this time because my back is killing me from carrying, <laughs> carrying him. That's perfect. Yeah. That's a, a good description. Yeah, You know, you hope that um, that he continues to enjoy the game for the game and, and not, um, you know, be pressured by being Tiger Woods' son and all of that. But, yeah. boy, what a what a heavy load that would be. There couldn't huh? be anyone large as far, as far as that sport. I mean, right. well, you're not as good as your dad. Well, Thanks. Yeah, if that's the bar, then who is? Who absolutely who right. is? Yeah. yeah. So that tournament's this week, right? Yeah, it's the this week. PNC uh, championship. Yeah, championship. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be fun to check. Well, out. it's you know, and and whether he plays well or not, it's it's just uh, it's a it's a great story to have Tiger back yes. and to have him playing with his son. Less they, than a year. They had such a remarkable showing the last time, mm-hmm. and uh, it was fun to watch Charlie. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, we've got a jam-packed show, as Frank said. Uh, we're gonna. Uh, next, talk to Dr. Bern Bernacki, the president of the Golf Heritage Society, uh, joins us to talk about all sorts of different things, but really got to keep the traditions going and preserve this great game. We will do that as the Golf to Go Golf Hours just getting started right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. This is Sports 1140 KHDK. We are back. Golf to go. I'm Frank LaRosa. Jason Ross is across the table there. And uh, Jason, nice to have you back. It's good to be back. Yeah, it was good to hear the show the last couple of weeks, you and Scott. And uh, it's just, I love talking golf. I really do. And I love the fact that uh, we are, we said it before, we're so spoiled here. We can play all the time and we're getting feedback. People are listening and, and just enjoying, just enjoying the great game. You know, speaking of being able to play every day, we're, the gentleman we're about to talk to, I think, is from Pennsylvania. So I'm, we're going to have to find out whether he's playing any golf. Uh, Dr. Bern Bernacki is the president of the Golf Heritage Society, and we're going to find out what that all means. Bern, you with us? Yeah, I'm with you, Frank. Thanks uh, for uh, having me. And hi, Jason, and hi, hi audience. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice to have you. Uh, are you playing golf in Pennsylvania these days? You know, we are. We had a group play today, wow. and a couple of Arnie's Amigos from Latrobe, uh, they've played three times this week. All right. <laughs> what, are, what are the temps we're talking about, though? Uh, 50s, uh, high oh. 40s and sunny is just okay. like it is at St. Andrews, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Baron, you're president of this organization called the Golf Heritage Society. First of all, why don't you tell us um, what the Golf Heritage Society is, how it got started, and how you got involved? Well, we're 50 years old. Two guys got together. One was a collector of uh, balls and clubs and another uh, of books. And um, the Golf Heritage Society used to be called the Golf Collector Society. We changed it in uh, 2018 because of the breadth of our interest. But anyway, we we, um, promote the appreciation for the history and the traditions of the game of golf. Uh, We really like to foster friendships among golf enthusiasts. And, you know, we're worldwide. We have folks from across the pond and people from down under as part of our uh, golf heritage society. And uh, as a matter of fact, we have a great diversity of folks. We have the golfers, of course, but we have the writers, the historians, and the collectors of artifacts and memorabilia. And we can't forget the uh, plo- uh, the players, the pros, as well as the amateurs, and the regular people like myself. Um, you know, we um, really collect those uh, uh, clubs, and we go to those clubs and places. We have the architects. We have the superintendents. I mean, our interest is um, young and old, men and women, and uh, it's great. We have kids. We have seniors. Uh, and we have everything in between. So it's all a lot of fun. That's pretty much a great cross-section. You've, you've got it all covered there. How, how did you first get involved, and, and what are your duties as president? Great questions. Um, I started um, uh, playing golf as a nine-year-old on a muni uh, that I still play at, where we have the first T. Arnold Palmer Learning Center that we just completed building about uh, three months ago. It's a fabulous facility for the kids. But anyway, I had uh, two hickory clubs and a 
pyritone club. That's that plastic coating on top of the uh, steel shaft made to look like wood back in the day in the transition in the 30s. And a couple more clubs. And I would bang those around. And they had great fun. And then Uncle Harry gave me a set of Croydon irons. And I thought I was in heaven. Uh, So how did I get into collecting? Well, I blame it on my wife. Um, I was in an antique store staring at the ceiling. And uh, she says, why don't you get some look around for golf stuff? So I did. And uh, about 25 years later and, oh, many thousand dollars later, (laughs) um, I have a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, good old Uncle Harry, huh? <laughs> uh, Uncle Harry was the best, really. Enthusiastic to beat anything. You talk about playing with the Croydon golf clubs. Boy, that really goes way back. But uh, I, you mentioned that you've you've also played with hickory clubs. That's that's the, the heart and soul of the game right there, huh? Well, I can tell you that uh, I've I played in a lot of competitive. Um, you know, and it's great to play in the handicap division. Uh, because everybody can play. Uh, there's the guys that are, you know, near scratch, and they have their own uh, competitive action. But it's really intense be- between the 20 handicaps and the 15 and 10 handicaps to really try to go at it. Uh, but, yes, um, I- I've played in um, uh, smooth face gutty ball hickory tournaments. Um, let's see, um, uh, 12 of those and 13 of those. And then the U.S. Hickory Open, which is – with the 20, uh, teens and 20s clubs with the, a modern ball. That's an interesting, fun way to enjoy the old game uh, and played in four U.S. Hickory Opens around the country. Uh, but, you know, mostly I like to just go out to Shenley Park and bang it around uh, with some kids uh, or a visitor who may say, hey, I'm in Pittsburgh, what do I want, where do I want to play? So I'll take them to the Muni and we'll uh, – We'll play Hickory for uh, maybe oh six nine eighteen holes and have a blast. That's great, Burn. As far as your most, I don't know. You said you spent a lot of money and a lot of time in finding some of these collectibles. Is there is there one that's your most prized possession? You know, there's a couple things that are close to me. Um, uh, I should say first that you know they're high end collectibles. I don't have many of those. I have a couple things. Uh, but, you know, those things that you find that are real finds that are rare, but mostly it's about what's personal to you and your travels. And we have those first tee kids that may have a scorecard that they first played golf on a course with their parents or um, they um, played a U.S. Hickory Open or a U.S. Um, uh, open uh, venue. Those are those are treasures. Uh, so me, um, you've heard of the movie The Greatest Game Ever Played. Um, and you've seen them make the sand tees in the game. Well, I have one of the two original um, uh, artifacts that they used in that game. Uh, one of our members was a consultant to the course and uh, is a maker of those things. I'm not sure if he made these particular ones, but uh, Sonny Chaby, um, who is one of, is our one of our Hall of Famers, um, gave me uh, the opportunity to procure one of those and. It's a treasure. It's an absolute treasure. That's very cool. You, you, you talked about preserving the traditions of the game. Um, what, what do you mean by that, and, and uh, what does the organization do to, to kind of get to that point? Do? What do we do? Well, um, we have fun. We have fun with <laughs> golf. Uh, I like that. As you can, as you can understand uh, by what I've described so far, uh, we get together. Um, you know, uh, we... we um, we, we get together for meetings uh, for friends, uh, old and new, and we have fellowship. We exchange knowledge uh, about artifacts and history and the stuff we have, and we exchange stuff, and uh, we, uh, we enjoy learning about it from each other. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we, we welcome people to visit our website, uh, golfheritage.org.org. And um, you can dive into any number of avenues uh, of learning, uh, of experience, of appreciation for the uh, game uh, artifacts, new and old. Uh, You know, there are Ryder Cup things. You know, that goes back to the 30s all the way up to this year. So, you know, these these collectibles uh, uh, are they they transition and they uh, transcend 
the era. So it is great fun to hang out with somebody who's a very knowledgeable person. You can call them an expert, an authority, what have you, and, and you can just listen in. As a matter of fact, this year, because of COVID, we scrambled to say, how can we connect with our members? We discovered Zoom, and we started having our meetings with Zoom, and we decided that we could have guest speakers. So we created the Grand Zoom series. We can host up to 100 people on a Zoom call. They can listen in and ask questions of an authority uh, or a notable in the game of golf. How about Bob Jones the fourth? How about Bobby Grace, putter designer for many of the pros, including many of the um, uh, uh, men who have uh, won majors? Great, fun guys, and just a beautiful experience. That's that's very cool. You know, you 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 have these moments with with, with these folks. You you trade stories, like you said. So let us in on a secret. What what do you, what do you know that we don't know? <laughs> Well, you know, uh, I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we can play golf uh, sometimes uh, sneak out in uh, January uh, as well as December. Uh, But in the summertime, you know, if you want to come on out to uh, uh, visit us, um, there's a lot to do. Uh, A little bit north of us is Foxburg, 1887. Uh, It's the oldest continuing play course, nine holes with sand tees and gutties. Oh, man. It's the real experience. Um, you can uh, head east to Arnie Palmer's place at Latrobe Country Club and uh, be on the hallowed ground that uh, Deacon and uh, Arnold Palmer uh, uh, designed the second nine together. Uh, or you can go a little bit east, I'm sorry, west over to um, Clearview. Uh, did you know that Bill Powell was an African-American who fought in the service? He was an excellent high school golfer, but when he returned after World War II, he couldn't get on a golf course because of his skin color. So he built his own golf course in Canton, Ohio, and it's just down the road from the Football Hall of Fame uh, in a hop, skip, and a jump from Pittsburgh. So these are things that I hope now uh, your audience will say, whoa, that's too cool. And if we get it back, South of Pittsburgh, about four hours, is Oakhurst, 1884. Oakhurst Links is the first place that a medal was played for in the U.S. of A. The Oakhurst Medal is in the USGA Museum, and it's just a little while from me. And I hope that I play in the National Hickory Championship on Oakhurst this summer. We're crossing our fingers because we have to dig out the course and find it uh, because it's grown over for three, four years. Wow. That's a, that's a an exciting of, project. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things that maybe uh, golfers out there learned in the last couple minutes. Eh? Uh, sure. I think you're probably right. Yes. Yes, for sure. You know, one thing we, Frank and I talk about a lot when we've talked to different uh, people that uh, work at courses or um head pros out here as they witnessed a, a huge growth during the pandemic. Same kind of thing happened for the Golf Heritage Society. I mean, you mentioned the Zoom growth and that. Have you seen a, a, a boom in interest? Absolutely. Uh, the, the interest in who we are, uh, people are, are enjoying the game of golf, uh, be it on the golf course. And it was beautiful to be able to uh, still be able to go out in the fresh air and play golf. We got it understood how to stay safe, you know, and interact with each other. But yeah, when, when the game is done, everybody uh, talks about their game, how they're good shots, they're bad shots. And uh, uh, then they want to do something else around the game. And that's when they go to golfheritage.org um, and look up the golf heritage society and uh, they can join for 50 bucks as an instant member and dive into the history of the game and transcend the uh, beginnings all the way to the present. It is so much fun. You mentioned the the Hickory Golf. I don't, I don't know that Jason even knows that. I, I had I had told you, Burn, that I had a chance once to play with uh, with the Hickory Clubs with a group at at Half Moon Bay here on on the West Coast, and uh, we dressed up in the plus fours and you know wore a tie while we were playing, and I never had so much fun. Uh, you know, playing with the um, Certainly, it's a it's a uh, a recreation of one of the original golf balls because, you know, because uh, my understanding was, and you kind of um, 
gave me a different point of view there that that using the current ball with the hickory clubs you know was too much that it would that would snap the shafts no that's not true at all um a um uh, modern ball uh, that's kind of kind of hard and stiff feels like you know hitting a baseball back on a and a rock but when you hit a smooth modern ball on the sweet spot, you don't even feel it, and the ball just zooms into the air, and it's just such a beautiful experience. Yeah, it feels great. And these guys, uh, when they play in that U.S. Hickory Open, you know, it's it's a it's a high seventies uh, uh, score that's going to win mid seventies sometime. Occasionally, someone will really get serious and and uh, shoot a par round uh, with uh, with these sticks from the. Um, white tees, you know, from the regular uh, uh, member tees. Well, there you go, talking about having to hit it on the sweet spot again. <laughs> but, but but I appreciate the fact that, that, that we're out there trying. Uh, Bern, uh, <laughs> give us give us the website once more, and uh, we appreciate you being with us uh, here today, and maybe we'll have you back uh, before the not too long again. Would love that, Frank and Jason. So if your audience will go to golfheritage.org, Join the fun, $50 for a yearly membership, and you will um, be sure uh, to find something that you're very, very interested in, perhaps passionate about. And when the weather's bad, um, you will have something to do uh, around the game of golf, and we would be delighted to have you. Appreciate it. Bern Bernanke, president of the Golf Heritage Society. Thanks for being with us on golf to go Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Amazing. You know, uh, you you have to try this playing with yeah, hickory clubs. I'd like it to. really was remarkable. Um, and we actually were shooting a a piece for the for the television show I used to do with Channel Six called um, Tea Time Golf in Northern California. But had one of those moments that you know you never expect to have happen because I was um, oh I don't know thirty yards off the green I guess, and the camera is sitting on the opposite side of the hole, and um, the. The idea was I would chip up and we'd all walk to the hole. I yeah. mean, that's well, it's going and it's going and it's going and it's going and and it's rolling forever and it actually goes into the oh, hole. Oh wow! I mean, it ne- perfect. You know, you, you there's yeah. no way. I How could many hit, takes, Frank? Yeah, forty-seven buckets, yeah. and I'd never do it again. But it was just it was it, it was a great moment and it, and kind of put a cap on on playing with uh, with the Hickory clubs. Yeah. A lot of fun. That's cool. I, I was surprised to learn that uh, that you could hit it, uh, the current golf ball. Though, yeah, because without um, damage, I'm going to go try it again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got more to get to when we come back. Jonathan Snyder, director of golf for the United States Adaptive Golf Alliance will join us as we continue here on Sports 1140 KHDK. This is Sports 1140 KHDK. This is the Golf to Go Radio Hour. Uh, Jason Ross, Frank LaRosa, Sports 1140 KHDK. You know, uh, Jason, I was uh, online the other day looking uh, at, at one of the newsletters and I saw this story um, Adaptive golf is on the rise, and the instructor is at the growth of the uh, center of the growth. So I thought I have to find this man, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I tracked him down. It's in- interesting what you can find on the internet now, and um, you know whether Jonathan Snyder thought uh, he was you know going to be invisible or not. No, he's on you the found internet. Him. I found him. Yeah, yeah. and um, he he has started this. Um, this organization, the United States Adaptive Golf Alliance, and uh, he is the director of golf for that. And uh, Jonathan is is with us. Hello, Jonathan. Uh, Jason, Jason, Frank, thanks thanks for having me on, gentlemen. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely not the creator of the United <laughs> States Adaptive Golf Alliance. That 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 credit goes to a lot of the leaders of the actual member organizations, um, as well as the chairman, uh, E.Q. Sylvester. So. Uh, yeah, I am the director of golf operations, and and very very happy to be on the show with you gentlemen today. Well, we appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, you you spoke. Uh, we, we talked a little bit uh, yesterday, and um, we we kind of talked a little bit about how you got involved. Um, tell us tell us. Um, you know, you were born, and um, you know had a had a little bit of an issue with with your left arm. But um, tell us about life as a young man and and playing sports. Uh, yeah, so I was uh, born and raised uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I, when I was born, I was, I was born with an undeveloped left hand. Um, I believe it's referred to as Fucamelia, but I, I you know, I've, I've never, never really had an, an X-ray or, or, or any type of official uh, 
uh, medical documentation of it. But uh, essentially, I was born without a left hand, and uh, my my parents uh, never never really treated me uh, any differently than an individual that that, that had all of their limbs. Um, and, and I couldn't be more more thankful for that. Uh, it really pushed me and, and showed me um, that I could overcome a lot of things. And did you play other sports before you played golf? Oh, 100%. Uh, <laughs> base, baseball and basketball were, 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 were ever-present in my everyday activities um, throughout my life from the time that, that I can remember. I, I think I started dribbling a basketball when I was uh, about three years old. Um, and my father always just, uh, you know, and, and still practice in whatever I did. If I wanted to be good at something, you know, you have to practice. Um, and that, that has definitely transferred into golf, um, 100%. So how did this opportunity then, Jonathan, come about for you to get involved in the USAGA? Well, so the opportunity to get involved in golf is what, what, what came about, um, first. And, uh, it, it kind of extends, uh, you know, I, I played golf with my grandfather when I was 12 years old and my dad, and I, I, I really uh, enjoyed the, f- the first day, even though I didn't do good, um, that I asked my grandfather to go back out a second day. And uh, on the, the second hole, I, I kind of topped my tee shot. It dribbles over the tee, and my grandfather says, we'll go over and hit it again. So I go up there, and I, I hit it. It bounces twice and, and it goes it goes in, you know. So we hop back in the car. My, my grandfather's letting me drive, and I'm just driving to the next tee, you know. Uh, and he says, "Hey, you want to stop and get your ball out of the hole?" So of I, I slam on the brakes. I run out of the car. I trot over there and get my ball out of the hole, and uh, that that was a, a wonderful memory. But you know, I didn't really you know take golf on full full bore. Um, I, I messed around a little bit with it in high school, and. Uh, it wasn't until my, my father actually had an accident on which he lost fingers on his left hand uh, in a construction project. Um, so I, uh, I, you know, when, when he was in his recovery process, I really helped out with a family business um, rather than going to college. And um, when he got back in the saddle, he, we were riding around one day. He said, well, what do you want to do now now that, now that I'm going to free up some of your time here? And I said, I don't know. Maybe I'll run that golf course one day. They were building local golf course. It was Redbridge Golf Club. Uh, never forget it. It gave me the opportunity to, uh, you know, play a little free golf for being a part of the cart staff. So I started washing the carts for free. And that, and that's how I, that's, that's how I got into the, to the game. And uh, I slowly worked my way through the shop to assistant golf professional, uh, event coordinator, head golf professional, director of golf, and eventually general manager of the whole facility. Um, so it, it, not only was I able to learn business from my father, but then learn the business of golf through the business of golf, if you will. Um, so I, I, you know, my younger brother had cerebral palsy and I always, always thought, you know, how, how can, how can I find an avenue for, for this young man to, to do it? So I always had a dream to have a, a golf academy that, helped individuals with disabilities. So I started doing a little research and uh, a gentleman by the name of Alan Gentry, uh, founder of the North American One-Arm Golf Association, uh, among a few other founders as well. But he, he he reached out to me and he asked me if I wanted to come participate in a pair of long drive, um, which is an event. Uh, it's much like a, any regular long drive event, except they have it broken down into categories uh, based on amputees or uh developmental challenges on um, whatever it may be. Um, so uh, when I, I, I say, well, let me see what this is all about. Let me see what this adaptive golf thing is all about and pair along drive. So uh, when I get there, uh, it's in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So I'm living in Charlotte, North Carolina. So it's not too far from where I live. And I get there and I, I go directly to the pro shop to, to kind of try and find out what's going on. And I'll never forget it, a gentleman by the name of Tracy Raymond. He's the executive director for the National Amputee Golf Association. He comes walking up to me. He says, hey, uh, you, look, you look a little off. And I, I immediately look down, and I notice he's he's uh, missing his leg. He has a prosthetic. Uh, he's below the knee amputee. And so I, I immediately I knew I was in the right place, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I started meeting the, a 
lot of the rest of the individuals that are involved and they're just welcomed in with, with open arms. There was such a camaraderie about um, just adaptive golf. And so uh, that's great. Alan called me a couple weeks later and said, hey, how would you like to represent the United States Fair Golf Team in an exhibition um, at Maidstone in New York? And Maidstone Country Club is one of the most prestigious clubs in America. So I, I immediately said, well, what do I got to do? Meet me in New York. So I, I, I go to New York, and that's where I met the chairman of the United States Staff of Golf Alliance, E.Q. Sylvester. Uh, he had another um, nonprofit at the time called Freedom Golf Association. And uh, he asked me if I uh, if I wanted to become a trained adaptive golf coach. So from there, that, that got me to uh, a few weeks later on. It was uh, in November of 2017. Uh, I met David Windsor in Chicago at an adaptive golf enhancement program training workshop. Uh, David Windsor is, is one of the, one of the, if not the best adaptive golf instructor in the country. Uh, he's a PGA professional Patriot award winner. And I consider him a, a mentor of mine um, for sure during this entire process. Um, so after, after Dave uh, went through Dave's training and, and got to spend a little time seeing the freedom golf association program, uh, Mr. Sylvester offered me a position as director of golf at Freedom Golf. And uh, it was there. I was able to take what had already been established and uh, build a model which goes into the uh, local area high schools and adaptive PE classes and begin to introduce golf in the grassroots level to adaptive individuals, essentially adaptive youth. And we, we've just taken that program and, and grown, grown ever so much. Uh, so much to the point where Freedom Golf Association merged into the USAGA earlier, earlier in the year. Um, Freedom Golf was just one of 39 member organizations across the United States that make up the United States Adaptive Golf Alliance. That's an incredible um, story. How, how many how many people in the country are, are adaptive golfers? Well, essentially, uh, about 10 percent of all individuals in the country are uh, uh, play golf. So there's 57 million individuals, uh, give or take a few, you know, I don't know the exact number that, that do have a disability, but about 5.7 million of them play golf in some way, shape or form, whether it's with their friends or family. Um, so we just want to create, help create uh, more opportunities for those individuals to be able to share, share their passion for the game of golf um, with others, whether that be just hitting balls on the range, practicing, uh, enjoying nine holes with your friends and family or uh, competing in one of our, uh, competitive events that in which we have about last year we hosted 21 uh, events under our rankings and standards. That's great. You just got a um, a pretty exciting uh, announcement from the USGA. You're happy about? Oh yes, uh, <laughs> the USGA just recently announced um, that they're going to be hosting a uh, U.S. Adaptive Open in Pinehurst, North Carolina, uh, and 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 half off for the USGA for, you know, doing the research and, and, and being involved with all of the member organizations that we have, um, listening to the feedback, um, shaping things correctly. I, I mean, we couldn't be more excited for what's, what's on the horizon. That, that's really exciting news. There, there are, as you mentioned, a number of uh, organizations around the country that, and the PGA has their PGA hope that, that deals with veterans that, um, you know that in many cases are adaptive golfers as, as well. So it's 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 here. It's here to stay. And the USGA's stamp on this uh, really kind of uh, you know suggests that um, there's a place for everybody in the in the game of golf. That's that's very exciting. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad that you said that because that's that's exactly what 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 we what we try and do is is, is really promote inclusion in the game of golf. Um, no matter no matter much shape, size, or form, you know, the golf ball doesn't know any of those things. The golf ball just wants to be struck and put into the hole. <laughs> so uh, there's many different ways to do it. As you guys have seen all the PGA Tour swings, there's so many mm-hmm. different variations and swing planes and, and, and grips and, and, and angles that uh, it really comes down to impact. And if you, can, if you can get individuals set up in the best possible positions for success, and create those opportunities for them to go out and, and 
further their skills by practicing. Um, then, then you've included them in your game. Yeah. Jonathan, what's the best way for those that might be listening now that say, hey, I'd like to get involved in this, uh, what, what can they do? Uh, yes, please visit our website, usaga.org. Um, feel free to visit our members page. You can look up all 39 of our member organizations, and, and they're, they're, I guarantee you there's one close to you um, throughout the country. Um, click on the inquiry button. Send me an email. Uh, and uh, we'd love to train more adaptive coaches. Um bring more organizations to be a part of the alliance uh, as well as provide more opportunities for the adaptive golfer. I think the, uh, the opportunity for, for people that, you know, may have a little fear about getting involved in the game or, you know, thinking I can't do that, you know, to look at some of the other adaptive golfers that are out there and to look at your website, will give them the courage and, uh, you know, maybe get them out on the golf course as well. Well done, Jonathan. Hundred percent. It's a, it's all about encouragement and 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 overcoming uh, challenges. Uh, you know, golf golf's not an easy sport as it is, but uh, uh, if you can put a little fun in it and 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 teach them the right way to practice, uh, then you've accomplished everything. All right. Thank you so much, Jonathan. We appreciate it, and uh, best of luck going forward for sure. Jason, Frank, thanks for the time today. I really appreciate you having me on. Be well. Yep, thank you. That's Jonathan Snyder, Director of Golf for the United States Adaptive Golf Alliance. All right, we've got a final segment here of our Golf to Go Golf Hour. Ken Morton Jr. We'll talk more about uh, Hagen Oaks and the uh, the role of Santa that they're playing this weekend. We'll let Ken tell that story. That's coming your way next here on KHDK. This is Sports 1140 KHDK. Golf to go. Sports 1140 KHDK. He's uh, Jason Ross. I'm Frank LaRosa. And as we say every week, where does the time go? Huh? I know. That's right. It's, uh, you know, we got another segment to go, but still it goes, goes so quickly. It does go quickly. Yeah. Uh, it's not like uh, a round of golf where you can't make a putt and you know, <laughs> uh, it goes on forever. The frustrations, the frustrations that everybody is, can relate to. That's you know, sure. uh, this time of year, obviously, there's lots of smiles to be had um, because uh, – uh, we've got, uh, you know, uh, visions of Santa Claus here mm-hmm. and there. And uh, um, as I've mentioned before, uh, no matter what holiday it is, um, the folks over at Hagen Oaks seem to find a way to uh, make sure that uh, children have uh, their opportunity to uh, to take part in, in uh, the holiday season as well. And there's a little event going on uh, Saturday. I'm not sure how little it is, as yeah. a matter of fact, uh, over at Williamland Golf Course and Ken Morton, Jr., Director of Retail at the Hagen Oaks Golf Super Shop is uh, is here to talk about it. Hey, Kenny, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. You know, when when we hear about Santa sightings, we, mm-hmm. we want to know where Santa's going to be. Where's Santa? Yeah, he's he's he's, he's you know brings a little joy to uh, to an otherwise uh, you know kind of uh, foggy kind of season. So uh, tell us where Santa's going to be and and how we get involved in that. Well, I think the three of us are we're pretty much guaranteed to be on the naughty list. But for those kids <laughs> True. that aren't, they can find him at the William Lane Golf Course this Saturday from 9 to noon. He will be uh, there at the golf course uh, meeting great, uh, all the kids, and um, he is going to be bringing 250 golf clubs that he is going to be handing out free of charge to all of the kids that come and visit him. Wow. I didn't know Santa had that kind of – what's Santa's game like? <laughs> You know, I think this time of year he's probably not getting a lot of practice in, but during the summertime, I'm sure he is. Uh, he, he's doing really good. You know, that was pretty exciting that news that you just mentioned because the last time um, I heard about this, it was a uh, hundred clubs less than that. So, uh, you know, Santa's, Santa's been generous. working hard, huh? He, he well, I'm not sure he has, but the elves certainly have been diving in, and they're they're putting together clubs as fast as they can. Yes, Santa gets all the credit. You know he that's does, that's yeah. really exciting, Kenny. We were we were just talking to uh, Jonathan Snyder from the Adaptive Golf Alliance and uh, talking about inclusion and and getting everybody involved in the game. And and as we all know, the the pandemic has been so good for the game of golf as a you know naturally um, socially distanced kind of sport. But um, when when you talk about getting uh, children and youth involved in the game to uh, to be able to get that first club, uh, that that's that's pretty exciting. Well done. Well, thank you. We, you know, we've done our our Easter egg hunt for gosh more than a couple decades that you've been involved with Frank and and uh, 
through that, we've given out three or 4,000 clubs, and it's amazing how many families come back and say that that was kind of the spark that got their kids interested in the game. And, and hopefully uh, with Santa's magical workshop work, we can uh, continue that over at William Land. Mm. So the Santa will be available for photos and things like that as well? He, he will be, yes. So, uh, again, it's just going to be first come, first serve. Uh, we're going to start the uh, festivities right around 9 o'clock, and we'll go as long as the golf clubs will hold out. Mm. That's great. So what else is going on in the, in the world of the, of the holiday gift-giving? Uh, do you have anything left on, on your shelves? <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're busy uh, tracking down as much as we can. Um, yeah, we actually uh, uh, just have a, uh, an, another big batch of, of things coming through the back door today. So a lot of new technology. That's been really the uh, kind of the, the big hit with everybody that's what I was going to ask. When people are coming in the door, what, what what's the question? Uh, where is the – and the answer to that is – Yeah, is what? <laughs> the Right now, the, the things like Bushnell and uh, there's a new uh, personal launch monitor called Rapsodo uh, that's been a big hit. Uh, it's it for $400. It looks like a small cell phone, um, but it has a small attachment and actually – uh, we'll give you all of the same information that you get with our uh, top tracer that's out on the driving range. So wow. if you wanted to go to your local golf course uh, with your, their driving range or to a park or even in your backyard to do pitch shots and that kind of stuff, it gives everything from uh, launch, spin, speed, head speed, all that data um, with each and every shot that you hit. It's really cool. That's, yeah, I was going to say that this might be a silly. Can you play with that? Like, can you have it? Would that even be encouraged? I know you said like practicing and on the range. Would people ever play with that as a, in the background there? Officially, if it would not be eligible to be able to use in like in tournament play, um, but certainly if you are out working on your game and and you, you know you're you're keeping up with the group in front of you. Um, it's wonderful data to have on hand just because, you know, you'll know exactly how far you're hitting your seven iron or, um, you know, your, your, you know, your, your hybrid and, and get exact data as you're hitting into kind of real world world shots. You know, that kind of information is, is really valuable, but um, there, there's other information available on, on those machines that may be a little over the heads of some folks, but, but again, valuable information for them to know about or at least think about in terms of their swing. My guess is that if they don't understand that, uh, they can bring that unit in and, and, and point out the, the kinds of numbers that are coming up, and, and your golf professionals will help them understand that. Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, things like launch, you're right, is, is grossly misunderstood by a lot of people. A lot of folks, when they're hitting their driver, they think that the launch should match the loft of the wood, and that's that's a very common misconception. And uh, you want to launch uh, much higher than that in order to maximize the distance. So um, that's one of the beauties about having 18 uh, golf professionals and club fitters here is you can bring in that data from that or anywhere else. And we're happy to go through it with you and, and explain some of the differences and, and how to maximize your game with uh, some of the equipment that's in your bag. You mentioned high launch, and uh, luckily I, I... – Heard you talking the other day, so I finally understood what left dash meant. Tell tell folks about uh, the fact that this year the Pro V1 has three models and and what that third one does. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, forever. Uh, there's been a Pro V1 and a Pro V1 X golf ball, and um, they've been the best-selling golf ball in, in the marketplace for, gosh, um, going on almost two decades. And they'll update it each year, but it's just a small evolution, and there was kind of a hole in their marketplace of someone who needed a, wanted a really low spin ball because uh, with drivers, we're trying to take as much spin out of it as we can, but still launched it high enough to be able to get the right trajectory for the golfers. And so uh, Titleist came up kind of under the radar, kind of secretly uh, unveiled a third version, and it's called Pro V1 Left Dash. And if you're looking at the ball itself, the only notification that you see is it literally has a left dash on the side of the golf ball. Um, but it is that ball. It, it provides exceptionally low spin off the driver, but high trajectory, which is kind of a, is kind of a different uh, 
anomaly for me that's a great fit because i hit a fairly low golf ball and the height makes it go out a little bit farther um but doesn't spin to the left and the right quite as much and so um for a lot of new golfers that that this is actually a great way to have a tour quality golf ball but um provide a little bit different uh flight pattern than the other two balls do and is that in the same price point price range that other pro v ones are in it's exactly the same, yeah. So if, if folks are out looking for it, it's an all-silver box, and that's that's really the only way to be able to tell that uh, that it's different than the other ones. You know, you mentioned uh, Pro V1 being the best-selling golf ball for so many years, but there are really uh, – there isn't a bad golf ball out there now. I mean, there's, the, 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 the balls are, are really high quality. They are, and it's really about trying to find the right ball for you. Um, and, you know, there's you've got tour-level balls like Pro V1, and then you've got, you know, on the flip side, on the other side, you've got, you know, two-piece distance golf balls that might be uh, more appropriate for kind of a beginner golfer. And, um, you know, the, the reality is, is based on your game, there's a certain golf ball that's going to provide the maximum amount of distance, but then the maximum amount of feel in and around the greens and in spin to hold the ball uh, when you hit into the greens. And so um, that's, again, where our, our club fitters and, and golf professionals can help provide you kind of a roadmap and, and tell you exactly uh, what that ball might be and, um, you know, and kind of work from the green backwards. That's really the, the best way to tell if you're a really good player and feel is important to you. Feel around the greens is going to be important to you the most. And so, um, you know, and then we can kind of back in uh, the distance, the difference between distances of golf ball might only be five or six yards amongst all of the golf balls out there. Um, so it's not really distance anymore, but some fly higher than others, some a little bit lower. Uh, and then uh, the, the big difference is going to be that feel around the green. Great information, as always, from you, Kenny. The last question I would, I would ask, I suppose, is uh, if, if Jason and I came out for uh, see Santa Claus and get a putter, would would we get thrown out of the line? Um, you guys might have to um, shorten your britches a little bit and just, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe some oversized shoes. Oh, that'll be uh, done. Call, call one another junior. I don't know. I mean, something to that effect. So. Appreciate it. Uh, good luck with uh, with the Santa visit. Uh, thank you for being with us. Uh, this is another great uh, – Jason, you know, we get through an hour, I don't so know, quickly. in 40 minutes. Yes. I don't know how we do that. But uh, Thank you, Ken. Thanks, guys. All right. Golf to go. Uh, the, the radio hour, uh, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock. However, next week we are Tuesday. on Tuesday. Yes. Yeah. Adjust accordingly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Having to do more with the uh, Sacramento Kings than uh, the, yeah. than golf. But yeah. uh, so next Tuesday, or next Tuesday we'll be here two to three. Jason Ross, Frank LaRosa, uh, golf to go. Uh, Sports eleven forty KHDK. Get out there, play. It's fun. It's cool. Yes. See you next week.